welcome to this bonus episode of the Glow Journal podcast, a conversation with the beautiful minds behind the world's biggest beauty brands. I'm your host, beauty writer Gemma Watts, and in this special bonus Ask an Expert episode, I am joined by Dr. John Sullivan, a dermatologist with over two decades of experience in both clinical practice and academic teaching in Australia and Canada. Dr. Sullivan is leading the way in clinical research and is at the very forefront of advances in laser dermatology as the principal investigator on numerous dermatology trials. That in mind, I felt that Dr. Sullivan was the ideal doctor to answer your questions on one of my most frequently queried topics, sun damage. Away from our regular brand founder conversations, I am asked so many highly specific questions about the skin. Given that I am an educated consumer and by no means an expert, it would be highly unethical for me to even attempt to address your skin concerns, which is why I insist on taking these questions to a medical doctor. This Ask an Expert series is giving you, the Glow Journal audience, unprecedented access to medical doctors, professors and dermatologists. And while the series is sponsored by Candela, doctors legally and ethically have to remain completely objective in interviews like this. For this reason, this series is the most authentic way for me to integrate branded content into the podcast because it's giving you, the listeners, completely unbiased expert answers to your most specific skin questions, questions that I can't answer myself. As mentioned, this episode is sponsored by Candela Medical. However, all of Dr. Sullivan's views are entirely his own. And as per any interview with a doctor, you will hear no specific product recommendations throughout the interview. As per recent episodes, this conversation was recorded remotely. So I've made the entire episode transcript available on glowjournal.com so you can read along as you listen, should you wish to. To find this transcript, simply visit glowjournal.com and search Candela Medical. In this episode, we've taken the questions you submitted on sun damage to Dr. Sullivan, from the treatment of pigmentation and freckles through to moles and sunspots, and just how much the sun damage we sustained in our youth can affect us as adults. Before we dive into the listener questions, I do think it's important to first touch on the signs that our skin actually has suffered some damage from the sun. So firstly, a broad one, but what is a sunspot and how are they caused? Okay, so um, with sun damage, it's sort of something that does creep up on us. And although a lot of the lesions on our skin could be called sunspots. Sunspot actually usually means the pre-cancerous ones. But mm-hmm. A lot of the things that most people would think of a sunspot is really just what we call sun damage. And as you said, that'll be the skin loses some of its luster, gets a bit dry, not quite as shiny, a bit more uneven. There might be a few crusty spots. But the first thing often is you see uneven pigmentation, um, mm-hmm. record-like change and different sort of growths. But for a true sunspot, that's actually pre-cancerous. It's often a bit rough, a bit like sandpaper, a bit red, and it can get irritable when you go in the sun. Mm-hmm. And what about a mole? Where would that differ from a mole? And a mole, it's made out of the skin's pigment cells called melanocytes, and mm-hmm. you can be born with moles, but um, with sun exposure, moles can develop, and they're collections of 
of these pigment cells. And if they're on the surface of the skin, they can be very dark in colour and often flat to start with. But as they evolve, they can lighten in colour as the pigment cells go deeper in the skin and with time they can even be just raised skin-coloured lumps. Okay. We also know that freckles can be a sign of sun damage and I've had one listener who's asked, are all freckles the result of sun damage or can they also be genetic? Um, well, in a, places like Australia, most of our freckles will be sort of sun damage, but as you sort of imply there, you know, there's some families that freckles are definitely part of their makeup and mm-hmm. even with the most stringent sort of sun protection, in summer they'll get a few freckles darkening on the nose and cheeks and that there. Um, but in Australia, if someone is getting a lot of sun, they're not protecting themselves well, freckles are a, a telltale signs, especially when they're not just limited to the face, when they're sort of over their shoulders, their chest or hands and arms. That, that's definitely sun, sun damage in that point. Right. Now, what would you deem the very best clinical treatment available to reduce any appearance of sun damage? Um, so our gold standard sort of treatment for sun damage and a lot of what we call sun damage, it just accelerates a lot of the changes of ageing would be the CO2 laser. So we're, we're lucky now we've got really good fractionated CO2 lasers such as the core RE um, and that really does tighten the skin. It really gets through a lot of those uneven pigmented spots, um, helps shrink down pores and, and it does reverse a lot of the changes we think of as sun damage. So that's the gold standard. What about home treatments? So home treatment, as I sort of mentioned that before, sun damage unfortunately creeps up and it's not until we get a bit older that we realise we should have done better when we were younger. So the most important thing is it's never too late to improve your sun protection and sun precautions. Mm-hmm. And we're also really lucky in Australia that we have the best ingredients from Europe and really good formulators in Australia. So Australian sunscreens are generally really good protection made to last in our harsh climate. And I suppose the big thing to note is not to get American sunscreens because they're 25 years out of date. So good Ah. European or Australian-made sunscreens are usually a lot better. God, that's a good tip. I had no idea about that. The Aldi's is okay. They've got the good German ingredients or you can Uh have a nice French sunscreen or just our major brands such as Sunsense and that in Australia are also excellent. Great. Oh, that's very useful to know. So... I suppose I should say the other thing from home, I said the fruit acids, they're just really good all-rounders. And if mm-hmm. you're starting with something, I'd start with a fruit acid. And my favourite ones are usually things like lactic acid or mandelic acid that they have all the benefits of the normal fruit acids, but they pull in moisture to the skin and they're a lot more gentle than, say, some of the glycolic or other, other ones. So lactic acid or mandelic acid would be a good start. Well, you've, I mean, you've kind of covered this because I had a number of people write in to ask, can serums and creams actually work to fade sunspots? I feel like we see it, you know, plastered over the front of products saying that this is going to remove your sun damage and wind back the clock. Is that possible? Um, and I think actually, no, I do think they've got a good role. And um, for a lot of people, if you don't have badly sun-damaged skin and even actually quite sun-damaged skin, you can see quite a marked improvement when you start using fruit acids. Mm-hmm. Um, the big thing that you've got to make sure you do is introduce them slowly, a bit more cautiously, that if you cause irritation, dryness, and make your skin more red or worse, you're going to get disappointed and give up. Um, but no, actually, for fruit acids, especially um, either when you're young and don't have too much damage, that helps soaks in it, helps maintain the strengths of the collagen elastin layer, Skin functions best when it's well hydrated and, and those fruit acids actually hold in that moisture, let all the enzymes and all the functions work a bit better. 
Um, and then later in life, when you've got that lustreless skin with all the scale and roughnesses and, and the sunspots, as you mentioned before, they really sort of help strip off the dead skin cells. It helps sort of even out the skin. So no, fruit acids definitely have a, a good place um, and they've got a, a good role either in mild sun damage or a more severe case. I feel like you've touched on something there that we might come back to a few times, which is just start now. <laughs> Absolutely start now. While we're on home care, some listeners have written to me about vitamin A and vitamin C in that they're often recommended to treat sun damage, but they can also make the skin that bit more susceptible to new sun damage. So is SPF just the solution here? And I think, as you mentioned, with the vitamin A and C, they're good things to have because vitamin A is very normalising and has an anti-cancer effect, um, strengthens the collagen. And then vitamin C, I think it's also good because we do have a lot of pollution, other sort of insults to our skin, and that does help sort of reduce some of the effects on the skin. And again, if they're in a nice formulated product, they can work well in combination with the fruit acids. Mm-hmm. And the other ingredient that's good to look out for is nicotinamide or a vitamin B3. Mm-hmm. It's actually been shown in combination with a sunscreen to reduce the damage to your skin from the sun. But it also, when taken as a tablet, has been shown to actually reduce skin cancer and that later. And we also think ah. in product it's going to have a lot of the same benefits. So nicotinamide is another good ingredient to look out for. But as mentioned before, um, although they take away some of the dead skin cells from the skin to make it look more even, give it more luster and shine, um, that top layer does provide some of our protection. So although... It will have made you a bit more sensitive to sunlight if you combine it with some of the newer sunscreens, which are nice cosmetic ones to use. You know, the sunscreen's going to provide you far more protection than those few sort of cells that are removed would have provided otherwise. Great. Okay, so we've got a few home care options, which is good to know. If we do decide to take that kind of gold standard laser route, how many treatments, sorry, after how many treatments should we expect to see our sunspots, our freckles and any of that damage start to fade? And I suppose it depends on what sort of treatment you have. And I think if you're starting out, you probably don't want to jump into doing our super strong gold standard ones that it has dramatic, excellent results, but it also has a bit of downtime. So you've got to know it's worth that downtime. Mm-hmm. Um, and things like medical intense pulse lights, such as the Nordley's laser, it's been cleverly made that um, it can be tuned to target either sort of skin redness, the brown spots, or just sort of for the collagen stimulation or, you know, things like temporarily reducing pore size and helping maintain the skin. And um, with a good operator, you can really sort of see good improvements after just one treatment. But if you've got more sun-damaged skin, you might want to do a series of two to three where the first one really removes that mantle of um, uneven pigmentation so that in the subsequent treatments, you can really target the redness and other sort of changes. And if you do have quite damaged skin, each time you have the intense false light, it does sort of keep improving that collagen and elastin layer as well at the same time. So if you're just starting out, your skin's not too damaged, you know, one treatment might be enough. And there's good evidence doing a single treatment each year for five years, you can see cumulative benefits over that time. But if you've already let a whole lot of sudden damage happen, you've got something important coming up, um, later in the year when it look good for, you might sort of plan two to three treatments, say four or six weeks apart to really sort of see a really good difference. And with intense pulse light, you don't have all the downtime of potential CO2, but you, you still get a lot of the, the good benefits. Mm-hmm. Oh, what a luxury to have something exciting to be planning for. Now, are those treatments permanent or should we expect that some of those spots might return? Um, I think with a well-done treatment, 
some of those spots will be permanently removed. Mm-hmm. Some will be partially removed and might sort of come back a bit over time. And then there are other spots that might have been sort of a bit treatment resistant and maybe we needed to target them harder. But again, even if you're doing the best treatment and the best operator, you know, with sort of something like intense pulse light, you'll improve things significantly, but you won't shift every single spot. And I suppose that also gives you a natural look that you won't suddenly have no freckles on your face and then starting on your, your neck or chest later on. So I suppose that, that's sort of good and bad. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think, as you said, we keep ageing, we keep getting sun, and unfortunately a lot of our sun damage from, say, the last three to five years can slowly sort of appear over time. So you know, some of these treatments, if you do the strong gold standard one, you know, a year or two later, you still won't see those spots returning at that stage. But with, say, the intense pulse light, as you said, you'll get lots of compliments, especially in that first three months. Your skin will still be improved, but you probably do get a drop out of the benefits and it might be something that you might want to plan to do a, a yearly treatment for a few years to keep seeing that improvement to help maintain the skin. Mm-hmm. But then maybe after that time, the way the skin works, it's nice to trick it into responding really well again. So although it's nice to repeat the same treatment, you'll get cumulative benefits sometimes after a series of treatments. We've got to do things to make it more effective again. And it's such a personal thing too. I think everyone's skin's different. And as you've said, it can also depend on things just like what you've got coming up. So why we have to go see the experts. This is the reason. Now, one listener has asked about microneedling. She asks, can microneedling help at all with improving the appearance of sun-damaged skin? Um, Yes. And as a dermatologist, um, the needling of the skin was actually developed by a South African dermatologist. And it does these micro traumas, stimulates a whole lot of healing and growth factors, does lead to some of that contraction, um, and it does sort of just activate the skin maintenance mechanism. So, no, we do think the microneedling is, is beneficial. Um, it can be varied from being nice and superficial to be deep. It can be done lightly or more intensively. Um, but no, it definitely does lead to some benefits, but don't expect miracles from the microneedling that often you need to trick the skin more. To, to heal more. So um, some microneedling devices combine radio frequency or gain, if you do the equivalent with the fractionated laser, it can really sort of tighten the skin on and do more. But as you said, microneedling is good in that there's not too much downtime, it's very safe, and it's a nice maintenance one to do. So if, if you're not expecting a dramatic change, but want to just improve things, um, keep your skin a bit younger, slow down that, that healing, you mix in your treatments with some microneedling as well. We love keeping the skin younger. I've had a few listeners ask why their freckles have faded as they've grown from being a child to a young adult. And especially if you haven't had too many bad sunburn freckles or a lot of damage, if you've been pretty good, you've just got some freckles that appeared in summer when you were younger, you protected mm-hmm. yourself well, they fade in winter. Yes, it's, it's normally sort of observed they will sort of become a bit lighter with age and time and in fact when you get older in life those freckles may completely disappear um, but if you're getting a lot of sun an ongoing sun too much sun you'll actually get more and more over time and you won't observe that nice fading that you've just mentioned mm-hmm. how come some people still do get new freckles even when they're wearing their sunscreen and they're limiting their sun exposure and i think as is a reply before it it definitely can be a genetic tendency so people with really mm-hmm. fair skin blue eyes, people of Celtic background, it sort of is in their, their skin sort of makeup. And even with really stringent, excellent sun protection, a few freckles 
it's a healthy sort of normal thing that you really do want to get the benefits of sunlight and being outdoors in Australia. But you can do it safely with sunscreen. But unfortunately, if you've got that skin type, you've got to expect freckles. And a few freckles aren't bad. No, people are drawing them on now anyway. So it can be a very nice thing. One listener has asked, and I, based on the um, the tone she's used, I think maybe she's already tried a few different things. She's asked, can you really get rid of freckles in capital letters, in particular, large, dark freckles? Can you get rid of them? And I think, as you mentioned, um, pigment laser or intense spots like the medical ones, um, they are sort of very smart and you can adjust um, the length of the pulse, the strengths, really sort of tune it to target pigment. And if there are some stubborn spots, you can really just target those spots to really sort of shift them. So um, although if you've just had a, a general sort of photorejuvenation, I feel there might be some resistant lesions. And some people do have quite difficult to um, treat pigment spots. It can be tricked with that device to actually get a really good outcome. But if you've had sort of IPL and you've been disappointed, you really are looking at, say, going for the CO2 laser. And, and that will shift those lesions. Um, mm-hmm. so you'll have a, a nice, bad, crusty sunburn reaction for a week after. Yeah. But there's always has to be sort of unfortunately negative for every sort of positive when it comes to cosmetic things. So the most effective ones, you really do lose, you know, up to a week of your life there or occasionally a mm. bit longer. So if they're really bothering you, yeah, you should ask about what stronger treatments would actually mm-hmm. shift them permanently. Now might be the time to do it now that we're all working from home. Is there a way to treat pigmentation without removing all of a patient's freckles? And I think uh, sort of mentioning before, um, depending on the settings used, you can just sort of lighten them or just remove a certain amount of them. Mm-hmm. I think it's important to sort of tell um, your clinician or, or therapist what, what you want out of the treatment there. Maybe even sort of do a test area so you can, you can sort of... Um, give them feedback what you want to see. But say if someone wants just the freckles lightened a bit, but mainly just rejuvenation, if you do more anti-red or vascular settings, this helps the collagen layer, helps get rid of the redness, helps get rid of broken capillaries and indirectly, because melanin absorbs all frequencies of light, it will actually partly target those and will lighten them without sort of removing them. So if you're still attached to your freckles, maybe don't want them quite as prominent, a good sort of vascular intense pulse light or vascular treatment can often give you good lightning there or maybe just the pigment settings done a bit more gently. Mm -hmm. Ask and you shall receive. One listener writes, my cheeks are always slightly red. Could this be a sign of sun damage? And yes, it could be sun damage. In Australia, um, our elements do often cause red rosy cheeks. It can be partly you inherit a tendency for that red skin from your parents. But if you go from indoors to outdoors, from hot to cold, that flushing can be exaggerated over time. And if you combine that with lots of sunlight, which can damage the supporting collagen and elastin, you get more blood vessels that dilate, dilate more readily, and then can slowly get worse with time. So as I said, lots of Australians have been very outdoors, particularly surfers going from hot to cold, haven't mingled with sunscreen when they were younger. They can have really red faces and broken capillaries. But for this lady, it might be she's just inherited that tendency. Even even with strict sun protection, some people do just get red, rosy, flushing cheeks. Mm-hmm. doesn't mean that we can't improve them with laser, but it's sometimes sun, but sometimes it's just someone's constitution. Mm-hmm. Another listener has written in saying that she has pigmentation around her lip line that she believes to be sun-related. Being such a delicate area, what would be the best course of action here? 
And often, particularly if it's the upper lip area, it might be partly hormonal as well. Ah. So initially, it is actually always important to to treat this with sort of creams and the key part, as you mentioned, a, a good SPF 50 sunscreen every day. Mm-hmm. And with people where they're getting a bit of hormonal pigmentation, it's partly their skin type, often the skin that does actually tan fairly readily or, or to a certain de- a good degree combined with sort of sunlight to cause it. And sometimes it might be the oral contraceptive pill that also contributes. Mm. But a really good broad spectrum SPF 50 sunscreen is the first thing to use. Um, and then there are sort of fading creams. A lot of the over-the-counter ones, they're nice and gentle and safe. The fruit acids can also help as well. Um, but you can also get a strong fading cream made up. And if this fades it down and your sunscreen keeps it away and you just have to refade it after holidays, that's good. Mm-hmm. But if that's not working, you know, maybe it might be sun damage and, and maybe laser will be appropriate. But for a lot of people with pigment, you've got to make sure it's not the hormonal one first because you're going to be disappointed you treat it with laser and it just comes back three months later. There's a good study, a lot of studies showing if you actually use vascular laser, if you've got a red skin component, treat that, even hormonal pigment will be improved down the track. But for normal hormonal pigment, we try the creams first. Sure. While we are on treating kind of different specific areas of the body, how do we treat sun damage and freckles on the chest? I feel like this is a very common one. Does this need to be approached differently to the face and to the rest of the body? Um, so the chest, it does really, really well with treatment. But as you're sort of implying there, it can also be an area that's very sensitive. And if treated too aggressively, it is more prone to a bad outcome or even scarring. Or we've seen people that get the zebra stripes when it, it's worked well, but it hasn't been even there. So on the chest, it is actually one of those areas that's important to do it in winter so we don't have too much um, background pigmentation that it takes more energy and can increase the risks. It's nice to have a, a clever device to do it, and that's where I actually do really like the Candela Nordley's laser, that it's got a clever dual filtering that removes all the infrared heat, um, so you don't get unnecessary heating. It just has the wavelengths that improve the pigment or, or the vascular changes. But that area actually does really well with intense pulse light generally because it's partly pigmentation, partly redness and vascular changes, um, and uneven skin. and. The good part was intense pulse light overall because it's not just one wavelength um, intensely which has a bigger risk of sort of scarring or other things there. By having a broader spectrum of light, it actually is very effective to target that redness and pigment, but it also can do it a lot more safely. But to make sure it's safer still, it's good to do it in winter. And because of the risk of getting striping, it's always good to be warned you might need a second or third treatment to even it out. And it's good to do it at the beginning of winter so you're looking good for spring. So on the chest, if you've got a lot of pigmentation, Don't expect just one treatment for perfect results. You might need two or three. Very sound advice. I've had another listener mention that she has had a tan line for years following just one really bad day of sun exposure many years ago. Would this tan line be the same as hyperpigmentation? Um, Yes, and especially if if it's been, if there's sort of increased freckles and that there, I think sort of treating it, hopefully you can merge and improve it in. Um, and as you said, it, it will be a bit like sort of sunburn freckles, a sudden appearance of, of a lot of damage over a short time. Um, and I suppose that just shows how, how damaging our sun can be. Mm. You do have to be careful on every holiday you have that you're going to regret that 
really heavy sunny holiday that you didn't take good um, sun protection. So sun protection is always key. Avoid American products, use Australian mm -hmm. and European. Um, but that should respond to um, sort of laser or, or light treatments that sort of damage it. It won't be a hormonal one. It's coming back to haunt us, all these holidays of years past. Another listener has asked about pigmentation from sun exposure after hair removal. I assume she means laser hair removal. Would this be due to premature sun exposure while the skin is still quite sensitive? And if yes, how would you treat that kind of pigmentation? Um, so as you mentioned, the sort of hair removal laser, it does target the melanin in the, the hair follicles and will indirectly target the skin. And it will make the skin more sensitive. Um, and as I said, when you're having that series of treatments, trying to keep the skin um, as pale as you can, so sun protection, do it in winter rather than summer, means you're less risky to get those sort of changes occur. Um, but I'd, I'd have to say sun protection, but a little bit of gradual light exposure might even it out. Um, mm -hmm. I probably would actually throw in a, a food acid cream, such as a body lactic acid cream, and usually when something's happened after that, we don't jump into doing laser because people are worried it might make it worse. But if, if the creams and time, and lactic acid is a very good cream to use, and just a little bit of regular sun doesn't do the job, um, that might be where things like the needling and fractionated treatments are really good to even the pigmentation up again afterwards. But as you said, it, it would have been done that they had a bit too much sunlight at the time they were doing the hair removal, unfortunately. Let's talk about moles. We have kind of touched on this already, but how come some people naturally have more moles and is it possible to have them that aren't caused by sun exposure? Um, so as you said, some families have numerous moles and it just takes a little bit of sun to get a lot more. Um, but we get moles even in areas that have never seen the sunlight and mm. occasionally you can actually get some moles on the inside as well. So as you mm. implied by the question, Sunlight probably does play a factor for the majority of our moles um, and Australians have a lot more moles than Canadians had um, in comparison just so they didn't get as much sun when they were growing up. Um, but they can occur anywhere. They can happen between the toes, can be between the buttocks, areas which would have, would have never seen sun. So mm. they, they do form naturally, but sunlight does definitely increase their number over time. And, and I suppose, yeah, some families even with most stringent sun protection, if you've got a really mouldy family, you're going to get moles. But if you have a lot of sun, you've got a heap, heap more moles as well. Mm -hmm. Now, I understand that we can't just laser off a mole right away as that mole could be a sign of something really serious and, you know, we're just trying to erase it. So what is the protocol here? Do we need to have a skin check before having our moles lasered? And I think... Yeah, especially if there's any history of um, skin cancer or, or melanoma in your family or funny moles, I think it's critical you do, do have a, a thorough skin check first to see that there's nothing that could be worrying in that there. Um, and although dermatologists aren't keen to remove moles with laser, um, as you said, things like the CO2 laser can be useful to help remove moles on the face and other areas and hopefully doing it without too much of a scar or mark afterwards. But... Yeah, generally, if the mole's normal, the dermatologist will say it's, it's okay to leave, but we know that people do hate their moles um, and then we can negotiate 
um, the, the cosmetic outcome because it's a mole's always got natural and you don't want to risk a bad outcome for removing a mole. But as it, lasers can be used for removing moles and if you're doing things like intense pulse light, often a number of moles will be lightened and then afterwards. Mm-hmm. So it's just one we've got to be careful with. Another sign of sun damage is keratosis, which is something that I was asked a couple of questions about. What is keratosis? How does the sun cause it? Should we be getting rid of it? And if so, how? So with sun damage, we can get to a mixture of getting older keratoses and also a mixture of potentially pre-cancerous ones, so where the cells are a bit disorganised, over-proliferating and thickening and producing that extra collagen there. Um, and for treating those, as you said, keep up your sun protection to try and reduce the ones in future. Um, we do have a number of creams, if it's the pre-cancerous ones, that you can do. Um, the fruit acids, the vitamin A serums and, and C serums can also sort of help even them out and, and control and improve things. Um, but generally for those, you're looking at a more destructive laser to remove, such as the CO2. So if you're getting lots of crusty spots, they're annoying you, you're either looking at a, a medical cream or a more sort of aggressive laser treatment to, to shift or remove those. And we have a few treatments that we combine with laser and photodynamic therapy as well. Um, but as I said, the big message is um, sunscreen, mm. give the other creams a go, and if they're still bothering you, laser's a good option. This is another thing that we have touched on a bit, but if a patient has quite sensitive skin, how would you start to introduce treatment for sun damage and pigmentation? Would you suggest that they start with the home care and those fruit acids? Um, Yes, so I think, as you said, in that case, it's good to use a gentle wash, um, sort of a a pH balance, sort of non-fragranced dermatologically um, gentle wash and then introduce one of the fruit acids. And as I mentioned there, if you've got sensitive skin, lactic acid or mandelic acid are, are really good ones to, to do. And you might just sort of start two nights or three nights a week. And if you've got very sensitive skin, you might just stay at that two to three nights a week. But over time, after a month or two, you can slowly increase to four nights a week, five nights. And some people will tolerate every night, but maybe in winter when the skin gets a bit drier, more easily mm. irritated, you might back down. But sensitive skin, even if you're going to need to do it two to three times a week, that'll be some good benefits. Great. One listener has asked about treating historical sun damage. She wears sunscreen every day now, but she didn't in her teens. So she does have some freckles and some some sunspots. Say that four times fast as an adult. Is treating historical sun damage, do you have to approach that differently to, say, a fresh spot or is it the same kind of treatment? Um, I think... We've got the same sort of equipment of armamentarian and basically our treatment will depend on what you can see at that point of time. Mm-hmm. So um, I'd have to say we'd have a similar approach, but depending on things, we might be a bit more aggressive or a bit less aggressive or, or tune things differently, but there'll be a, a similar range of, of options there. And if there's a lot of pre-cancerous options, we'll often combine things like the intense pulse light with some photodynamic therapy to help reduce it that precancerous change, but otherwise it would be very similar. Mm-hmm. Perhaps a cautionary note to end on. One of our listeners has asked, if I don't use SPF every day, is my skin in trouble? Um, so I think I would always protect my face all year round in Australia and particularly if you lived in Queensland or, or the upper half. Um, but in winter, 
we do need a little bit of UVB um, for our vitamin D and that. So as I said, in winter, getting a bit on your arms or on your legs if it's not too cold. I'd have to say we're made for a little bit of sunlight. Um, so we'll do it again sort of earlier in the day, later in the day, or just, you know, five or ten minutes, but always protect your head and neck and, and your decolletage. And I suppose people always hate aged hands too, so I think protect your hands, put a bit of sun on your arms and legs in, in winter, not the middle of the day, or just for a few minutes middle of the day. That's, yeah, sunlight's good, it keeps us happy. Our skins have adapted to, to a certain degree, but the face even not always protect. That was Dr. John Sullivan of Kingsway Dermatology and Aesthetics, which you can find online at kdaa.com.au. You can discover more about Candela Medical, including the laser treatments that I personally rely on at candelamedical.com forward slash au or on Instagram at candelamedicalanz. To read this interview, you can visit glowjournal.com and for more beauty news, you can find me on Instagram at jemkwatts or at glow.journal. If you liked this episode, please do not forget to subscribe, rate, review and share so other beauty lovers can find us. I'm Gemma Watts. You've been listening to the Glow Journal podcast and thank you for joining me.